Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Vanessa Flores, who's a sound designer and post-production audio expert who works at Banana Post in Los Angeles. Vanessa's work focuses primarily in the worlds of TV, advertising, and film, working on projects like Top Gear, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Total Bellas, and many more. In this episode, we dive into how to break into the world of post-production sound, working on linear media like TV and film, why Vanessa found great success after focusing less on things like video game sound and instead more on what she really wanted to do, and how she made her career happen even though when she graduated, no one was hiring. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Vanessa Flores. Let's get into it then. So first question I have for you is considering you work in TV post film, commercials, those sorts of things, doing sound for those sorts of gigs. It seems on the outside, a lot of those projects are the sort of thing where you kind of have to have experience to be in that world. But it's the sort of thing when you don't have experience, how do you even gain experience on those sorts of jobs? So for people who are interested in this side of things, what do you kind of tell them when it comes to gaining that experience so they can get their foot in the door? I think it depends what they have accessible to them. But honestly, I think if you don't have anything, anything at all, just do redesigns. A lot of people who end up doing post sound come from like live recording. So they're on set doing production sound and they kind of bundle themselves as like an all in one, you know, like I'll handle all the sound for, you know, this project. But I couldn't do live production sound at all. I'm too nervous for that. If anything were to go wrong, I'll like run around <laughs> scared. But <laughs> Yeah, redesigns is probably the best way to go, which just means you're taking just your favorite scene, anything that inspires you, anything that just like really like motivates you to get into this field. Just take that and do like a really short segment of it and just recreate the audio. And that's really the best way to learn because you, at least you have a point of reference where you're like, okay, I want that Hollywood level sound. How do I achieve that? And you're going to be uh, with practice, a lot of practice, you know, you'll get there. But that's the best way to show that like, yes, I do have the skills to implement sound. So do you recommend when people are making these redesigns or listening for particular things? Are they trying to recreate the exact thing as the original or are they just kind of trying stuff out, seeing what their voice sounds like and then leaving it at that somewhere in between? Why not do both? If you want something where you're like, that was really cool. I want to put my different spin to it, then totally do that. But if you're looking for, I want to achieve that quality, that bar, then yeah, try your best to recreate it with what tools you have available. There's no shame in trying to do both because you're going to learn a lot either way. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So 
when you were kind of in these beginning stages, maybe in college you did lots of redesigns or you got practice on projects that they gave you, all that sort of stuff. Were there bits of feedback that you got that you never thought of before? Like, oh my God, yeah, now I'm going to do that all the time. Like I remember I was walking around down the halls in school and someone said like, don't forget to put EQ on your reverbs. And that is like stuck in my brain. I was like, oh yeah, of course <laughs> I should do that. That's a good tip. Are there any things like that that you learned either in school or through your experience that were just like, that's a very useful thing that I now do basically all the time? This might not seem like the most straightforward answer. Maybe it just seems like a duh answer. But the details in like layering stuff. I remember when we're doing a Foley class because I, I went to an audio engineering with a post-production emphasis certificate program. And they were telling us, oh, well, for Foley, you know, it's not just doing it all together all at once. It's like you pick up the cup. You drink from the cup. That's a separate file. You put down the cup, you know, <laughs> the cup slides off the table, you know, like things like that. And knowing that the way that sound interacts with other, you know, objects, it, it interacts with each other and they're all separate. It really helps you when you're just doing sound editing because you're going to look for all of the movements and the objects rubbing against each other or whatever it may be. And that really, really goes a long way from separating yourself from someone who just looked up cup grab and someone who's looking for like, you know, the cup grab, the, the, the table slide. Maybe uh, you hear a little bit of the, uh, the water that's inside the mug or something. So that's the biggest one for me. Yeah, it's those details. It's those little nuances. It's true. Yeah. And those are easy to miss. Those are like a, a lot of beginning sound designers I see tend to miss. I miss them when I was first starting <laughs> out like 100%. So speaking of the details of things, I'm curious if you can share the details of like when you graduated, like, you know, for sound people like us, it's very rare that people are knocking on your door right after you graduate from school saying like, please work at my sound studio. Please be my sound. That's very rare. So I'm curious what that transition was like to becoming full-time pro. Yeah, so I graduated out of that program in like December 2016, and I didn't really utilize the insight that teachers had. I'm super shy. I mean, I know it might seem like it, but I am like super shy. <laughs> so like, I don't like to approach people. I don't like to, I don't, I don't like to be a burden in anyone's, you know, day. So I never like reached out and said, well, what should I do from after this? You know, I just kind of thought like they would just reach out to me. I did so good in school. My, my teachers would hook me up, but that wasn't the case. So I thought, after that, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't like really look for a job. Let me just try to build up like my skills. And I did. And I was trying to like get into game audio. But honestly, that's not the route for me. But I spent a lot of time trying to learn it because I thought it would help for some reason. But if I was wanting a post sound, you know, emphasis, then I had to learn that. But um, yeah, I was just kind of procrastinating at the end of the day. I was just procrastinating because I was scared. And then, you know, just like some family stuff came up. You know, my, my, my stepdad was diagnosed with cancer. And it's just like that whole family bonding experience, I guess. After his passing five months later, it was just taking care of my family. You know, I, I he left behind my mom and my younger sister. So I kind of took over like that kind of parental role because I didn't really have a choice. So I kind of put everything else to the side while like, we, we figured out we sold our childhood home and split ways. And so, yeah, there was a lot of setbacks. And so it wasn't really until February of 2019. I'm just like, OK, I can go either one or two ways. I can find a, a stable job, something that pays more, something that I can, you know, 
do like, I don't know, comp sci or whatever it may be and go that route for the money or I can pursue this because I already went through all the trouble to pursue my passion. But let me give it one last on a shot. And then, yeah, from from there, I just I networked like crazy. I took on every job that I could have and I continued to, to do what I hated the most was putting myself out there. And it's crazy to see, you know, it's rewards now how everything else came into fruition. But yeah, that, that's basically the pipeline of when I graduated. You said so many interesting things in there, and I want to dive into all of them. I'm, I'm putting mental pins into everything, but one of them that you said earlier was, you know, you started pursuing game audio, but you knew it wasn't like the thing for you, which is great. Like, I think that's such a mark of a pro when they can say, eh, not for me. Like, that's so huge for so many people. You, you still learn a lot from it, though. Totally. I've learned so much tricks from game audio. And that was when I was looking up across the car, you know, game audio advice <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> subscribing to his newsletter. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just knew post sound was was it for me. Yeah. What was that? Was that internal feeling? Like, I'm very curious. I love hearing this from other pros of, OK, I know this isn't the thing, but I learned from it. and I'm going to pivot in this direction. How did you know that that direction necessarily wasn't you? Because um, I, I think man, I started learning like why is an F mod and then just trying to do like my own sound design, redesigns, but like of, you know, in-game stuff. And I just, I didn't like it. I just felt like, not that it felt like a waste of a time, but like I didn't feel that satisfaction, the same satisfaction I did when I was putting sound to like linear stuff. And so I just thought like, what what am I doing then if that's the case? <laughs> I put so much time into learning something else when I could have redirected that time into, you know, what I really wanted to do. So that was time lost for me. But I still gained a lot of valuable insight. And then you, you still find all these valuable resources because they're, they're kind of parallel careers. They're just implementing in different ways. So it, it's, it's not a total loss. There's a satisfaction when you're like, you're done with, you know, a film and you just you do the listen back and then the client's like super excited and you're super excited. You hear it with fresh ears, you know? And so that feeling is just, it, it never goes away. So I just knew that this was it. I love that. Yeah, that sense of satisfaction is so important to follow because, you know, someone might be miserable doing game audio if they were meant for post sound like you maybe if you kept doing it you'd be like oh my god I hate this why am I spending like half my day in Y's or F mod or something where yeah. someone else would be having a great time and that's so massive that you pointed to that so I'm, I'm grateful that you did and you also mentioned another pin that I put in my head <laughs> earlier was putting yourself out there something that you weren't comfortable doing you are now the most like out there person <laughs> on Instagram in terms of audio like you you crush me you crush everybody in no. terms of the, the audio space you are killing it I, I look up to you for that it's so amazing to see I am so curious how that transition came about because you're on there almost every day giving out amazing tips amazing advice for other people who want to break into audio so how did that come about um, it was, it's funny. So I'm a huge fan of Peter McKinnon. And if, if anyone doesn't know who Peter McKinnon is, he's a photography and videography YouTuber, you know, content creator. And I don't know why I like his videos. I know nothing still to this day, nothing about <laughs> videography or how to implement it at least, but I always found it entertaining. And one day, you know, he made a new video and it was like this coffee B-roll sequence. And it was actually in collaboration with um, another uh, content creator named Daniel Schiffer. And it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I Like, it blew my mind. I rewatched it, replayed it who knows how many times. And then it kind of opened the doors for me to learn about, like, this new kind of 
artsy way of taking product commercials and this B-roll, you know, commercials. And it was just so much movement, so much dynamic stuff going on. And so I went to Instagram and I just searched up the hashtag B-roll. And I was just engaging with other people, kind of recreating their own stuff and giving feedback on it. And I did this over a weekend. This was like the start of the pandemic, too. So, like, I had time. (laughs) And um, over that weekend, I got like 100 followers. And then it just kind of the light bulb, you know, went off. And at this time, yeah, the pandemic hit. I had surgery for my thumb. I still can't bend it all the way. (laughs) So I was bedridden. I just felt really, like, helpless. Like, oh, my God. Like, the year before that, I did, like, a contract gig at a post house in Glendale working on unscripted television, like keeping up with the Kardashians and all that stuff, all these big shows. And um, that ended. And I'm like, I'm never going to that. Like, I really thought, man, I peaked. I peaked peaked right there. And so I was just really like just in that depressive mode, I guess, you know, being bedridden because I couldn't lift up. Like I had to have my hands right here the whole time. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. So I was just on the internets because obviously I'm 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 talking to filmmakers who are making this, not other sound people. And so we're just exchanging dialogue. We're talking. I'm talking about sound. They're talking about this. And then all of a sudden we're like, hey, let's do a collab. Let's do this. I'm like, oh, this is how I find, you know, my next client. And so but like, let me separate it because that was on my personal account. So like, well, let me let me separate. Let me make it like somewhat professional. And that is what became Vonnie Audio. And then I just started posting my past stuff. First, it was just like how everyone kind of does it, where it's just video of it doing it. But like, no, like, I want to see the timeline. Like, I think the timeline looks cool. You know, I have it was a big stack at that point. And with my my video editing skills, <laughs> I uploaded it and then went viral. And then just okay, like that's cool. Everyone likes it. I have all this old past work that I've done. Let me do it for that and just viral, viral, viral every time I posted. And so luckily enough, I had video editing skills and social media skills just because I was a big like community builder with like, I'm a huge Avatar fan, you know, so I have like, you know, I grew like an Instagram account for that and a huge Paramore fan. I grew, you know, an Instagram account for that. So like I knew how social media worked. So it just kind of combined all my interests into one. And here we are. <laughs> the mission statement, I guess, kind of changed because I was doing it as a way to like show myself to find clients. But fortunately enough, uh, in June 2020, I got hired here at Banana Post full time and I didn't really need the projects anymore. So then I just like, well, let me give back because I didn't have a resource when I was starting out. I was Googling, obviously, the stuff that came out was more game audio focused. So I wanted someone that was more post focus that was accessible and um, digestible to like understand and implement. And that's what Vani Audio came to be. So I'm just trying to be the person that I knew I needed. I love that. Yeah, and it, you're doing so great. Like it's so, so <laughs> phenomenal. You. So for anyone who's listening, like follow Vani Audio. It's so good. <laughs> follow Vani you... Audio from Audio Tips. So <laughs> it's, so, it's so freaking good. Like every day I'm like, damn, all right, that's that's good shit. Like I, it's really, really good to see. So when you are kind of interacting, let's dive in just a little more into that kind of, let's, Use Instagram as an example, but it works in so many capacities. You were interacting with filmmakers and you weren't begging them for a job, 
right? You were just talking to them, right? Yeah, I was just giving feedback on the actual videos because the good thing about following Peter McKinnon is that you know the verbiage, you know the language now. Maybe I don't know how to put it into practice, but I understand what they're talking about. So then I was able to give feedback because like, I'm watching it as a, like, a, a consumer almost. And you know, the, there, there's a big thing in consumer feedback. So I was speaking their language and then I was also giving them sound tips. Like I heard that you're using the same exact wish throughout the entire video. Like here's ways to like, you know, have variants with that if you only have one that you really like. But I was just being genuinely helpful because I just thought the stuff was so cool. And yeah, it, it blew up because people, everyone's used to bots. Yeah. <laughs> so like having genuine, you know, interactions with people makes a difference. Yeah, you've surmised all of how to be on the internet, which is to say be helpful. <laughs> yeah, be helpful, yeah. Be helpful and be a person. Like, it's very easy to think like, okay, how do I talk to this person to get a job out of them? But like, no, no, you don't even need to do that. You can literally just be helpful or just say their thing is cool and be good. Yeah, I mean, and it's like... There's like there's part of this marketing thing, you know, where it says like you have to see something seven times before you buy. Right. It's the same thing. If you're constantly showing up and saying, man, that's cool, man. And then I have audio in my name. Maybe they're not good at sound design. Maybe they're one day they're interested because they're lacking in something, you know, when they're making this edit and they click on my page to see all these tips they follow or they just hire me. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a good pipeline. <laughs> It's perfect. It's perfect. It's brilliant. And I love to hear it. And when you are kind of working with clients of all sorts, because you've worked with so many different like types of shows and types of TV and all that, broadly speaking, what do you think a good sound designer is supposed to be and do? Like, what is that? What is your kind of meta level job? Because I know it's not just I'm going to put sounds here and then step away. There's something beyond that. Yeah, it's it's always enacting the sonic vision. And I think it's talking always in their terms, not in ours. So like, if they say something, well, I want it to feel more blue, and you're like, what the hell does blue mean? You know, <laughs> um, then you know, maybe it means sad, maybe it means more melancholy, maybe it means more moody. And so you kind of just stick with that. Then there, there will be like a, a very personal language between you and them, and then they'll always be a returning client because of it. Because no one wants to be talked down to, no one wants to be corrected because they said something wrong. It makes them feel embarrassed, right? And so of course, try to correct them if like it's a non-negotiable kind of thing, you know, they're saying like, well, can't you, you know, take the noise out of this dialogue so easily just like that? Don't you have IRX? I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> quite how it works, you know, of course. But like in terms of terminology of how they describe things, how they express things, like, that's something you want to be really in tune with. You use their same words and they'll love you for that. I love that. And is that kind of where you think about because there is kind of a bedside manner that audio people should be thinking of having kind of just like doctors do because clients don't necessarily they might pretend they're not, but they don't necessarily know what the hell we do day to day. Like they it's kind of this weird black box for for audio in general. How do you make sure like clients feel taken care of, feel good about what you're doing? Respond. How do you respond to feedback when they do have any for you? How do you kind of handle all that social soft stuff when it comes to what we do? Ask questions. I feel like that's the biggest one. Just just ask questions. Sometimes they'll answer themselves because they say something a certain way and you're like, oh, I don't know what that means. Just ask them like, oh, I'm sorry. Can you elaborate further on that? And they'll they'll tell you, you know, uh, once they take that time to elaborate on that. And I mean, I wouldn't know what they're doing. I don't know. I'm usually in the in the room with producers and such. I don't know their job. <laughs> so I don't know what they can do. I don't know what they can look up. I don't know what they know. But I, I try to face things in, in our limited knowledge and just try to bridge those gaps and just 
be mindful, very mindful not to use jargon that's just over their heads because no one likes to feel dumb. That's the biggest thing is just just be very mindful and ask questions if you're kind of at a point where there's miscommunication or not. You're just not understanding. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's such a big part of whether you're freelancing or not. Communication is so, so, so huge when you are working with these clients. Do you tend to when you are communicating with these clients, like let's say they're not in the room, let's say they've already gone home for the day. Is there a way that you kind of present your work to them saying like, here it is, what do you think? Or do you kind of say like, let's say it's not done yet. Let's say it's a work in progress. Do you say things like, oh, XYZ isn't done yet? Or do you just kind of leave it to them and let them kind of determine what's good and what isn't? Oh, it depends. If you know there's something where like you really tried your hardest. Okay, so like for instance, I'm, I'm mixing a YouTube show right now and we're doing everything offline so they're not in the room. So everything's like Frame.io kind of feedback. And so sometimes I'm like, I couldn't get this dialogue out or I couldn't get this, this out. And instead of going to them and just telling them all the things that I couldn't do, just upload it. <laughs> and if they notice it, sure. Like, it's like, okay, you know, I already tried to do that. I'll give them one more pass. Let's see, but this might be the best we can get. And most of the time they don't notice, like we're our own worst enemies in that regard. So I don't really say much unless they've already asked me, you know, for something like I want your feedback on this and then I'll kind of explain my thought process. But other than that, I just like here, here's here's kind of what I've done. Like try to keep it in the spirit of whatever we talked about, because usually you want to get on like some kind of discovery call with them and just kind of talk or, or spotting session. Just talk about the film. It's just like, yeah, I kind of like as we discussed, you know. Leave it to them because the more stuff that you feed them, they might have bias in that regard. So you kind of want to just let them experience it, you know, without that bias. Yeah, I remember a professor of mine had a fun little experiment with this where he showed a picture of a flower one day just in class. So it was just a picture of a flower. And we he just we just like thought about the flower and then he went on. We didn't even talk about it. Nothing. And then he showed the same picture of the same flower next week. But before he showed it, he said, like, oh, uh, it's a little blurry in the corner. It's like I didn't like do a good job here. And then we all saw the errors that we didn't see last week because he mentioned them. Otherwise, we didn't care. We didn't care at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. Because we are professionals, this is our expertise. We are going to notice the things 90% of people won't. So <laughs> it's all right. There's some stuff that uh, everyone's going to hear. But like, as long as you're doing your best and saying, yeah, this is the best we can get it. But like, let's try. Just, just, just be open. Just say, no, I'm not working on that again. It is what it is, you know. Just say, yeah, let me, let me, let me give it one more pass, and then if you, if you really can't, just like, oh, I'm sorry, but this is for X and Y. Usually, they're more understanding just because you show that effort and show that you cared. Yeah, yeah, showing that you care is so, so huge. And I'm curious, then, like, let's say you're in the freelancing, like back when you were freelancing, or even now, actually, it might apply now. How do you kind of balance all those incoming projects that are coming in? Because someone's giving you feedback over here. You have a brand new thing over here. This person's asking you for X, which is very intense. And this person's asking you for something that's also intense. They're totally different sounds. How do you balance all that when it's all kind of coming in at once? Oh, man. I wish I had the answer for this because I'm experiencing this right now. <laughs> I say if you split up your, your day into segments. So like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm only going to you know dedicate my you know, to this and then kind of do a revolving like, OK, cool. I, I did this. I sent that off. OK, let me tackle something right here. Now the new feedback came in. Let me tackle that. But if you really like, I don't know, I, I swear I have like some sort of ADHD because as soon as I get something new, I want to like focus on that. I get distracted really easily. But then, no, if you if you stay like really like just dedicated, I'm allotting this time for this and for that. You feel less overwhelmed because, you know, you're going to get to that later. 
You know, if you're trying to, okay, let me do this real quick. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I had to do that real quick, you know, and just bouncing back and forth, you know, it's not going to help you. But if you, you really set yourself, you know, just an itinerary, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of it, it kind of reminds you to stay. It's like those little bumpers in bowling. It just keeps you, it yeah. keeps you in that middle of the lane. And when you're when <laughs> yeah. you're in the middle of it, though, you're you're working on a project. It happens um, very often in linear audio that it's really easy to kind of lose sight of what's good and what's not, what's mixed well and what's not. Do you take breaks? How do you kind of deal with that like tunnel vision that you get eventually? Oh my god, I get that all the time, especially for like noise reduction and EQing dialogue. You can get really lost in it, and then. You're like, man, but I think this is better than what I had. And then you come back the next day and you're like, nope, just bypass all of that. It was fine as it was. I say, yeah, take breaks <laughs> or just do something else, you know, take a lunch, go walk outside for a little bit. And usually when you come back with those fresh years, a good chunk of the time, I feel like more than 60% of the time, I'm just like, why did I try to EQ this in the first place? Or just like one little frequency duck you know like that that was it that's all i needed <laughs> we really can get tunnel vision it's insane but yeah just taking breaks usually is the best thing yeah and how do you kind of build that intuition maybe it is just practice or it's something else on top of it because sound designers eventually know this sounds right right like quote unquote right big air quotes around that so how do you kind of build that intuition to know yeah this is the sound I feel like that can only be gained with experience because the more people have said yes to your work off the bat, then you know it's mm -hmm. right. And you just kind of trust like, well, that sounded kind of like, you know, what I was hitting last time. And, oh, they signed off on it again. I must be doing something right. And so <laughs> it's just an experience thing. I mean, I still feel that way. I was like, does this sound good? Does this sound overcompressed? Does this sound like, is the EQ on this good? And everyone ends up liking it. So like, okay, it's good. You know, it's that self, you know, we're our own harshest critics. So sometimes that validation is just you're you're in a good direction yeah and we're in a kind of service industry right like it is ultimately the client who's paying us who has final say and all yes. that so <laughs> I, are you good at letting things go like okay i'm done or or is there a perfectionist thing because i'm a perfectionist like i am a recovering perfectionist <laughs> through and through and i know a lot of audio people are because it's so easy to fiddle it's so easy to fiddle so how do you kind of put it out in there and then just walk away just deadlines. I will push everything to the, I've done it. I have like so many stuff where I'm like, wait, but let me just, let me just, you know, and it's just not out there. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't feel confident in it yet. But if you put a deadline, that shit will be out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you give me a deadline, then I, I really hustle my ass and then to, to do it. <laughs> but other than that, nope, I will push it and push it and push it. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And and do you set deadlines for yourself when you're doing your own things, like maybe Instagram or things like that stuff for yourself? Do you also do that? Sometimes I really did in the beginning because the biggest thing with like social media is about staying consistent. But I think it was getting to a point where like I have this full time job now and then I have this side hustle stuff that it takes a long time to like make and brainstorm and do all the social media stuff to make it like, successful. And then work life balance. I, I didn't have it at that time. So when my partner sits me down, it's like you're spending too much time on this. Like you're on your phone too much time. Like you're responding to too many DMs <laughs> and you're not talking to me where I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't have to post every week. I don't have to get to this thing right away. So now I'm just like, whenever I feel inspired and usually it's like a really quick reel, I just shoot it with my phone right there, done, send. And I don't do like the whole pipeline of things anymore just because 
if someone really wants the to the knowledge, then they'll look through my stuff. I like that. And you mentioned work-life balance because I also didn't have it a while ago. So what was it like when it wasn't there? And what did you do to build towards it? Because it's not an overnight switch. Yeah, it definitely isn't. I don't know how many, like, I promise I'll be better, you know, conversations <laughs> I've had. But one, I think the biggest thing is on your iPhone now, you can like, what's it called? Like, not a not a snooze. Oh, the screen time thing where you can yeah, like, the screen block time. Things? There we yeah. go. There we go. Yeah, that really helps. And I do it for certain apps. And like, okay, from this time to this time, I can't go on that, especially during the workday too. You know, and I turn off all my notifications. I don't get any other than like you know my my email maybe. And I just really try to stay off my phone and remain present. And so like, even if we want to be on social media, what me and my partner do now is we watch TikToks together. So we watch TikTok <laughs> throughout the day. We'll send each other the DMs. And then once we come home, we watch it together. And then we just talk about it and, and stuff like that. So that's what, a way just to kind of like remain a lot more present. Just kind of control that, that itch I always get. Because another weird thing is that I hate notifications, like seeing it on your phone. I like, I have to sort them out. I have to, you know, <laughs> either read them, delete them. I don't know. I have to get rid of it. And so uh, just kind of letting go of that kind of aspect. And, and again, turning off notifications does eliminate those things. So that was the steps I needed to take. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I mentioned turning off notifications to like, you know, people who are in this world as well. And they never listen to me. So hopefully they'll listen to you Yeah, uh, because it's so huge. Yeah. When you see that red circle, it's all you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, but they're waiting on me. Yeah. Right. They need me right now. Yeah. Like, clearly they don't. Yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Right. Yeah. So a broad question I have for you is when you were in this space as you were kind of starting out and even now. How do you kind of set yourself up for like longer term success, like goals or thinking about things? Because it, it's so hard to say, oh, I'm going to do post sound at Banana Post when you just like you didn't know for sure that that's exactly how it was going to go. So how did you kind of plan ahead for that while keeping things loose enough so that you could go with whatever came up? I mean, I feel like you have to have your a lot of short term goals and I, maybe this won't be the best answer for anyone. But like after like having a loss of a parent. And we having like planning your life out, you know, with always them in mind, having long term goals is like, what's the point? Everything's going to change. Like something can happen tomorrow or tonight, you know, and it's going to change my whole world. But short term goals are achievable. And then this is just a me thing. I, that's that's something I'm still struggling with is creating these long term goals because I, I feel very defeatist about it. But for me, it was just in order to have success right now, what do I need to accomplish? And that was just showing up online. Let's tweak my website, you know, and learn about this. I was doing like weekly redesign challenges. There was a really tangible stuff. And the more it builds up, builds up, you, you kind of, when you look back, you're like, oh, this was pushing me all in this direction. Cause I, that's how I feel like I got here. I wasn't like, oh, I have this master plan. And blah, blah, blah. you know, I just kind of fumbled all my way into it and was just inspired in that moment. And it kind of took me somewhere else. And of course I have long-term goals like now, we're like, I would like to see this, but I'm not like hard debt sent, you know, like by 2022, this will, you know, be achieved. It's like, no, this is what I would like to happen. But when it happens, when it's right, when the time can be dedicated to it. But I mean, other people, if, if I was trying to give advice for long term goals, it's like just set, set a goal one, one year from now, two years from now, and maybe five years from now. What would you like to see? And then break it down. What are the steps I need in order to achieve that? And then keep further breaking it down until you get to those short term goals that are much more tangible. 
Mm-hmm. And the funny thing that'll come up is you'll you'll get to that long term goal, but not in a way that you expected. <laughs> I'm sure I've like banana posts and all that came about in ways you didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, I mean, I almost missed that posting. So like, <laughs> it was the pandemic. Like, I'm like, no one's hiring. Why am I going to check LinkedIn for job? You know, I had the alerts on and everything. Because the weird thing about LinkedIn is they'll send you the same like job posting, even though it was posted a month ago. So like, I was getting those notifications just swiping up I think one day I was like oh let let me just check what's out there I saw the perfect one for me and then I ended up getting the job so like I could have missed it but it was not definitely uh something I thought was going to be in my future and then be working on the capacity that I was working on I really thought I was going to try to do like well I'll be a machine room operator you know like oh I'll, I'll really start from the bottom And I didn't really have to (laughs) because I found the opportunity and then I was prepared for that opportunity. So that's how how it be sometimes. (laughs) Totally, totally. That is that is true. And considering, you know, you're based in the mecca of like TV and commercials and film like in the L.A. area. Can you talk to like location for what you do? How important is it to be in that kind of place? Because, you know, for games, it's very Internet based and it's a little looser. But for some industries, it is more tight. So what is it like for you? I think it depends. If you really want to be at a studio, location's going to be important. And it's not saying it's not possible wherever you might be. You just have to be in vicinity of those post houses because they are going to prioritize people who are close. That's just how it is, unfortunately. And I was lucky enough to be, you know, born and raised in Southern California. So like L.A. was only about an hour away. A little bit more with traffic, but an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I, I had a, that, that kind of support support system, you know, where I, I didn't feel like, okay, this has to work because if not, I'm going to have to go back to whatever state I was from or whatever country I was from. There's, there's the comfort in that. And so I'm, I'm very blessed and privileged to say that geographically I benefit in that aspect because, yeah, right, right now we're, we're hiring here and like there's so many good people that I would want to bring on. But like they're across, you know, the ocean or they're on the other side of the country. And it's just like we're so swamped. We need someone right now, yeah. you know, yeah. and it, it sucks. But that that's why I'm really glad we're kind of. And I guess it's kind of like a twofold thing with the pandemic. We're seeing that remote's, you know, a viable option. And so hopefully there's just more opportunities. And if remote or being where you are right now is a super important for you, just go 100% into freelance. I like that. I like that. That's very good advice. Now, broadly speaking, when it comes to you as a person, who are some role models that you look up to? It can be absolutely outside of your niche. They don't even have to be alive anymore. It can be anyone. It could be any sort of role model that you kind of think of regularly that like, oh yeah, that person, that person's kidding. Or several. Oh man, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a cliche to say like your parents, like I'm first gen. So it's crazy to know what their struggle was. And then for them to succeed so much that allowed me to pursue my passions, which is, I know it's something that they couldn't really do. You know, I mean, my dad, drives a truck for Coca-Cola. Was that his number one passion? No, I know it wasn't. I know he wants to go back to college and actually pursue his dreams, but like that's just what he had to do in order to support me. So, I mean, I always try to give back to them and everything I do is kind of like in their honor, you know? I'm trying to make them proud. But like if I were to give like some kind of role model just because I felt like I was relating in a certain, when it comes to gear, it was Kevin Senzaki. 
He's like a sound designer. He was doing a lot of like rocket jump. Yeah, rocket jump production. It was like a YouTube thing. It was like the start of like the YouTube film, you know, bleeding the line between production quality. And I remember his setup on YouTube and it was just, you know, an old PC and like headphones. And I was like, that's me, you know, like that's all I have right now. It's just like this old PC and some headphones and that's it. And he was making awesome, awesome stuff. To this day, he makes really great stuff and works on a lot of great projects. And it's cool to know that he was just utilizing the whatever he had on hand and he that was something he really advocated for and I learned a lot from like any YouTube videos that he had because they had like a, a brief period where they kind of had like a university school you know YouTube school and yeah it was just like I knew it was possible I felt like a lot of FOMO because I couldn't afford Apple products I couldn't afford you know this Zoom H6 mic you know I couldn't afford this I had to make do with what I got and so seeing that he he did it and he was working on stuff and really good stuff and could put really great sound to it just all in the box was really inspirational to me yeah and it's a it's a good reminder for us because it's so easy to see like someone in front of a giant studio with 300,000 synths behind them like giving a thumbs yeah. up <laughs> but we don't necessarily need that to get started at all just a computer and headphones is plenty yeah, to get honestly, going. that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. I mean, if Billie Eilish and Phineas are just using stock logic still to this day, they're doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, it's okay to, like, just use what you have. I love that. So as a kind of second to last question, as we're kind of winding down and wrapping up, when you first started in audio in general, and you can say the starting point being right after you graduated, while you were in school, any starting point you pick, what was your definition of, you know, success and how has that changed over time and what is it now? This is funny. My definition of success was getting a full-time studio position. And you can you can argue like since I graduated or since I first started get like getting interest in this, you know, after high school. But like when I first really started, so in February 2019, when I was like, all right, I'm going to start applying to things. I'm going to start trying to figure it out. I'm going to put myself out there. And in June 2020, I'm hired full-time at a studio position. It's surreal to say the least. And then I, I did hustle a lot for all of that. And I remember distinctly this one moment where like, you know, all, all my coworkers were just, you know, hanging out in the front and I come out for something and they're just talking, whatever. And then, you know, my boss asked me like, oh, like what hobbies do you have? And I really had to step back and like, what hobbies do I have? I don't know. This is all I've been, you know, doing to achieve this goal. I'm like, well, I, I think I play some video games, I guess. You know, <laughs> when was the last video game I played? I don't know. It was definitely years ago. <laughs> that that was it. That was that was success for me because I mean, again, I'm first gen. I'm coming from like one of the first to be like fully immersed in this creative aspect. You know, everyone kind of does the traditional route. It's validating and, you know, it's crazy that I can support myself with it financially. And so that was it. That was that was my definition of success. And right now I'm just kind of I'm trying not to let all this like, you know, content Instagram stuff like get to my head because it's it's crazy what like people that reached out like I was I was featured in the LA Times the other day. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is no like <laughs> I, I, I still can't process it. And I'm trying not to like let it get to my ego because I just I still feel like that kid that was just so so hungry for it and doing you know redesigns in crack software of Adobe Audition because that's all I could do at the time <laughs> on this old very old PC laptop I still feel like I'm there and it's, it's cool and it's interesting to see like 
I'm able to like think outside and grow more and be able to make new goals. And right now, I don't know if it's about audio. I think it's it's more life goals, like just, you know, getting married, having a kid, buying a house, hopefully in this market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm able to actually think about that stuff. And it's such a blessing to be able to think about that stuff because I've reached that success that I wanted. Yeah, that's that's an awesome answer. It's heartwarming too to to hear about that. So as a final question, as we as we wrap up, where can people find you? All your very, very good things that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's Vani.audio. That's V-A-N-N-Y dot audio. Sure, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Vani Audio. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, sure, if you want to follow me on TikTok, same thing, Vani.audio. But I don't post there. I just I just consume. <laughs> and my DMs are always open to talk about sound. I will get back to you once I, you know, have some good work-life balance. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, that's that's where you can find me. You also have a great YouTube channel too, where you've been. Oh posting. yeah, I do have a YouTube. <laughs> sure, I just I think you just need to search up Sound Design One Hundred and One, and then hopefully you'll find me there. Yeah. One day I'll go back to YouTube. Right now it's not in the cards. I don't have the time. It's a huge time sink, but yeah. you know the stuff that you already have up there is fantastic and very yeah. very helpful to people. So well worth watching. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. And your advice is so good. Like you're so on the ball and so good. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. This was, again, it's crazy. Again, I looked up to you. I was watching your little game audio. You sweet pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, I've done a lot of, you know, interviews, podcast stuff, but this one was definitely hitting the nerves. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what I want. Yeah. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game, music, and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>